0: and candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now, wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science, with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door.
2: And I'm Mujahid Ali,
1: and we're gonna be talking about all the slaps today.
2: All the slaps. All the slaps. So many slaps. So-
1: Many, many, many slaps. Waj, um, it has been a while, my friend, since we have been together, uh, and we're coming back on one of the fastest news cycles, one of the most outrageous news cycles um, that I think that we have seen since Donald Trump was in the Oval Office. So let's start off with the first of the slaps, which is mm. um, Will Smith, Chris Rock, In this slap, we're talking about ableism. We're talking about disabilities. We're talking about Black women's hair. We're talking about two Black men. We're talking about all of these things. What did you think? If you saw it live, if you saw it that day or the next, what did you think about what transpired between Will Smith and Chris Rock following his quote-unquote joke about uh, Jada Pinkett's alopecia.
2: I saw Slapgate in real time. And as I was watching it in real time, when he made the, the G.I. Jane uh, joke, they did a quick cut to Jada. And I'm like, oh, she's not happy. And then she rolled her eyes and there was groaning in the crowd. And I'm like, all right, it'll move on because Will just laughed it off uh, initially. And then it goes, um, they started bleeping it, And I'm like, that's not normal. And then once I saw the pan uh, and he walks up and he did the slap, my first instinct was like, man, that was a really good choreographed slap. That looked real. And then once he sat down and they started muting it, I'm like, oh, that was real. Oh, crap. Because, you know, just being within this industry and, and you, that's not normal to, to, for the Oscars to bleep out. As soon as I heard the mute, I knew that was real. And then once Will repeated it twice, you could read his lips. You're like, oh, damn. So my take on, on this is the following, which might be controversial. In some And, and I, I realize no matter what take I do, Black Twitter will drag me because <laughs> anyone who gives a take, apparently all their laundry list of sins come out, uh, if you've noticed for the past day. I think the way Chris took a punch, impressive. Mm-hmm. The way he went on, very impressive. I think Jada's response was a very good response. If Will Smith had matched that response and I even said this on Twitter, even if he had said everything he had said the way he said it without the slap in context, I think people would be like, oh, that's why Will Smith got like pissed off. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. They'd be like, oh, I get it. The fact that the, the what bothers me about this is that Will Smith, it became about Will Smith. Everything became about Will Smith. And it was his ego and his bruised ego, because Jada Pinkett Smith, I think, handled herself very well. Even her her eye roll, you know, if you saw it again, she like she expressed her displeasure. But Will Smith, being the most powerful man, it's about power to me. He felt like he could get up on stage, mm-hmm. slap a man, like slapping a man. That's like a death sentence. You saw, like in most communities, you slap a man, someone's gonna die. And then he sat back in his chair. Nothing happened to him. And, I, and, I, and I'll say you, tell you this, if it was any other celebrity, maybe there's only six celebrities who would get away with it because he's so well-known. Will Smith, maybe Tom Hanks, maybe Brad Pitt, maybe Tom Cruise, maybe Oprah, maybe one other person, maybe Beyonce. Any other black man, Idris Elba,
0: it's no, over. No. He wouldn't
2: get kicked out. Yeah. but the, the, So the, the two good takeaways from this, I think are, if there's any good take, I think it was embarrassing for everyone, first mm-hmm. and foremost. Mm-hmm. The only good two takeaways are more people know about Jada's skin condition. There's more awareness about it. More people know how it affects black women. More people know how it's really detrimental. Maybe there'll be some uh, sensitivity uh, as to like why there was a triggering response within the black community. Uh, and then number two, maybe we'll stop worshipping celebrities. Because <laughs> worshipping celebrities also gave us Trump. My quick take on it.
1: Okay. You know, a couple of things. I, I wrote a piece, uh, for Zora magazine, uh, uh, the vertical dedicated to black women and women of color on medium, um, entitled in defense of black women. And, you know, what, what I will say, and I, what I said in the piece is that I don't condone violence, right. Um, in any of its forms. And what we have to understand, I think, particularly in the society and culture that we are living in is that that words are in fact violent. They can in fact be used to perpetuate physical violence towards people. Tapping into people's emotional pain and trauma is in fact violence. And what I did on my other show, Woke AF, is that I had the director of the uh, Disability uh, Journalist Association come on to discuss exactly that truth. So within the... Uh, the context of her autoimmune disease, which is what Mm. alopecia is. It is an autoimmune disease that has people lose their hair, right? But it also attacks all other parts uh, of your body. It isn't just about hair loss. And then, you know, I say that because there were uh, teams of people who were just like what's the big deal it's just hair well we can go all the way back to oh i don't know if you were a christian to the bible where women's value and beauty and 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 proximity to femininity has always been linked to their crown right? Their crown and their glory. For black women, our hair has consistently been politicized, right? Mm. Black women's bodies and appearance and demeanor have consistently been uh, politicized. Chris Rock knows this because he did a whole documentary called Good Hair, About the politicization of black women's hair. So to turn around and to make a quote unquote joke and then to say that you did not know when it was very public and had been public over the last two years, Jada Pinkett has talked about it on her social media platform. She's talked about it on Red Top Table about her struggles with losing her hair, having to... uh, Uh, compete in in Hollywood with already white European standards of beauty, there was a lot that was there. And what I said in my piece is that there is so much history that went into that slap that wasn't just about that moment. Now, in terms of how this has all now become centered around Will Smith and maleness is to me about toxic masculinity. Right. Because there were other avenues to have taken, which would have been in his acceptance speech, which a majority of people believed that he was going to win the Oscar, that he was the favorite for. To use that as an opportunity to bring light to the fact that we should not be making jokes about people's disability, that this is not the time or the place to use your platform and be like, hey, Chris, like you're considered a comedic genius. Why'd you get so lazy and sloppy? Right? Like- Like there, there was, there were opportunities and places and ways to do that, that should not have resulted in a physical confrontation. But I think that my trouble around it is really around one white people feeling like they had a place and a space to talk about how this action was going to set back anybody's race or about like, you know, he should be thrown in jail, um, and violence in all its forms you know, shouldn't be uh tolerated coming out of the mouths of some politicians, particularly on the right, who are the biggest warmongers, right? The United mm. States, the biggest the biggest perpetuator of violence on the planet, right? With a military who, who's, you know, and, and a police force whose budgets we just inflated with the Biden administration's, you know, budget release, right? So don't talk to me about what forms of violence are acceptable and what is not, that is a matter of perception. So to and, me, that that's how I felt um, about the slap. So,
2: so as an observer, the reason why I was also concerned, because you you cannot not bring race into it because America always brings race into it. I'm like, oh, this is bad for black folks in the sense that I knew it was going to get weaponized. A, bl- a black man at the peak of his power slapping another black man at the peak of his power. Two mainstream celebrities who happen to be black who went through a lot of crap, but are universally beloved now resulting in violence. This is going to bring out the usual tropes that already happened. You've seen uh, you know, the, the, the dog whistles uh, you being used on Fox News. You're seeing the hypocrisy exposed where no one cares about grabbing a woman by the pee. You're seeing the hypocrisy of the Academy Awards, which gave a standing ovation to Roman Polanski, allows Mel Gibson back, has no problem with Harvey Weinstein, Come on. has no problem with uh, you know, Scott Rudin. And so mm-hmm. you sat there you know, as, as a brown man. I'm like, man, again, just, it's like what I call the minority prayer, which is anytime you hear like violence or trauma or like a, a, a terrorism, you pray that it's a white person. Not because you want anything bad to happen to the white person, because you know nothing bad will happen to white people. <laughs> You realize that's why you like if, if it's a white dude you know white people don't have to apologize there'll be no hearings there'll be nothing about white culture Mm-mm. and like white music and like you know white oatmeal and why don't they like you know why don't they stop wearing their cardigans we yeah. yeah like there's no interrogation of whiteness
1: about why they raise violent why why they raise there you violent go. white men that is ne- yeah, that nothing is, we will do no reporting on that no segments no conversation no, no nothing
2: Chet Chet and Karen will like you know be eating yogurt and granola and be like oh that was terrible and they'll move on with their life which is how it should be for the rest of us so that was my one concern i'm like this ain't gonna be good this is embarrassing and i completely agree with you if will even this let me put it this way Mm -hmm. suppose will smith walks up remember okay pre-slap take it three seconds before the slap Mm -hmm. will smith is so powerful and well-liked if he decides to walk up put his arm around chris take the mic and say chris you're my buddy but that beautiful queen there, do you know what she's going through? And even, even if you spent yes. like 30 seconds there. Yes. And then and then he gives Chris a pat on the shoulder, sits down, eggs on Chris Rock's face. Yep. But then Will Smith, and Soria McDonald remind me about this in her essay. Will Jada Pinkett got pissed off at Will Smith, according to Will Smith's own admission, because apparently Will Smith wanted to like a couple of years ago during her birthday, wanted to make a big deal out of it. So he makes this high production documentary and he pr- premieres it with her family and friends and he he thinks she's gonna love it and she sits there and she smiles and they get back and she goes what do you think and she was fuming and he said you found a way to make it about yourself and that's where i feel like this is will smith's bruised ego it became about him he he tries to justify it with King Richard, then Richard comes out, Richard Williams, the father of Venus and Serena, and says, nope, we don't condone violence in our home. He says, love makes you do crazy things. I'm like, I think you made yourself do something crazy because Jada, who's the one who we should be talking about, she handled herself like a pro. Yeah. And if you had, in that moment, held her hand, looked at her, everyone in the audience would have known, low blow Chris Rock. Afterwards, if you had taken, like you said, he knew he was going to win. Right. Take that moment. And also afterwards in the press room, Again. So, I just want to say. So yep. So that's where I feel like I agree with you. That's where I felt like a beautiful moment became ugly and got centered around male toxic masculinity and violence. And people aren't really talking about the stuff that should be talked about. And then you see the hypocrisy of the Academy Awards, which is freaking the most hypocritical place on earth. You had no problem with Harvey Weinstein and, and Roman Polanski. Just shut the F up.
1: From the New Yorker staff writer, Vincent Cunningham, a keenly observed novel of a young black man searching for his place in the world amidst a moment of historic change. Great Expectations is about David's 18 months working for the senator's presidential campaign. Along the way, David meets a myriad of people who raise a set of questions, questions of history, art, race, religion, and fatherhood, that forced David to look at his own life anew and come to terms with his identity as a young black man and father in America. Inspired by the author's experiences working on Obama's 2008 presidential campaign, Cunningham uses a political campaign as his narrative backbone. Great Expectations will be one of the talked about novels of the year, Colin McCann. Great Expectations is available wherever books are sold.
0: Hey, I'm Alok, the host of Build the Change, a brand new podcast from MacBlue about the people at the center of progress. Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities. Healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country, immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun, and candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now wherever you get your podcasts.
1: I mean, there. like the list of men. Right, the list of white men that they have absolutely no problem with their very public, disgusting behavior. You know, uh, Kevin Spacey. You know, Roman oh, Polanski. Yeah. Uh, you you Brian talk about, uh, and uh, you know, you you talk about these folks that are consistently celebrated, and we mm. know that they are violent people, like in their actual day to day lives, ha- are That's sexual right. predators, right? Um, and who who continue to win awards, right? Uh, and, and all is well because they are cash cows. And so, you know, d- the last thing that I will say on this is that for people who had said, you know, uh, Will Smith is going to be canceled and Chris Rock is nah. going to be canceled. I'm like, you don't, like, aside from the love affair that America has with with white supremacy, the other love affair that we have is with wealth and celebrity, right? That's right. And they are so wealthy Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so powerful in, in both of their, or both of their own tracks that this is not going to be something that will upend their careers. Like it just won't, you know, Will Smith will be no. in another blockbuster movie. Chris Rockwell is, is about to go on tour, right? Like, you know, and probably will sell more tickets because people will want to know if he's going to turn the moment into like a series of jokes.
2: Yeah. And 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 what's going to happen next year is they're going to appear as co presenters.
1: That's what I said uh, at too. The Oscars, either co presenters or we're going to see. They said somebody said the funniest thing on Twitter, which was that right now you have uh, Will Smith's PR agent and Chris Rock's PR agent trying to uh, hash together the next buddy f- comedy that everybody's going to want to go and see. That's how that's the industry Hollywood.
2: works, folks. Can I can I mention a segue about uh, uh, a slaps? And how the industry works and how people get to fail up and how it's business as usual. Uh, A slap in the face to the rest of us, Danielle, another slap. There's many slaps. Many slaps. A slap in the the face of the rest of us was the hiring of Mick Mulvaney by CBS News. Tell me how you felt about this slap.
1: You know, let me tell you something about the industry, right? And it isn't just Hollywood. Uh, and this is, this is why this week was such just a crazy news cycle. Mick Mulvaney, liar, right? A part of Trump's insurrectionist crew, uh, a part of the schemes to defraud and lie to the American people about a number of things from COVID to the election, is mm. now, once again, white men failing up in a <laughs> position of power to be considered as, a, as an analyst, a political analyst for one of the most reputable, legendary networks, which is CBS. Right. CBS is the place of real news. CBS mm. is a place that people go to when they don't want CNN, MSNBC. They're still- Cron- Cronkite's the legis- home, Right. Right. It's the legacy place. And so to then turn around and hire these people, and it, it's not the like I would understand it if it's Fox, because that's where everybody goes. The the on ramp, the off-ramp uh from the White House was directly to Fox News, right? Like that's we right. saw that or, or Dancing with the Stars, right? Like we saw that a million times. But for CBS, tell the people why though, Waj. How did this okay, happen?
2: So- I have a quote from you, and this was the Washington Post yesterday. It said the following quote: "If you look at some of the people that we've been hiring on a contributor basis, being able to make sure that we are getting access to both sides of the aisle is a priority because we know the Republicans are going to take over, most likely in the midterms, CBS News', co-president, Niraj Keemlani." Kham- told the staff of the network's morning show, according to a recording of his comments obtained by the Washington Post, quote, a lot of the people that we're bringing in are helping us in terms of access to that side of the equation.
1: So it has wow. nothing, I mean,
2: the It's a slap in the face-
1: Oh, please, go ahead.
2: <clears throat> it's a slap in the face of the rest of, it's a slap in the face of people who are journalists, it's a slap in the face of democracy. It's a slap in the face of all the people who came out in the streets to try to hold Trump accountable. It's a slap in the face to their own reporters who were mocked and ridiculed by these very same people as Trump inspired and actually advocated violence against journalists. I want to remind people He used the fascist term, the enemy of the people. He applauded people who were beating up uh, journalists. There were his radicalized individuals who tried to kill journalists. Thankfully, they were caught. Remember, CNET headquarters were also evacuated. And these people then turn around and say, you know what? For the sake of access, money, and power, we don't care. Who cares? It's like Stockholm Syndrome. It's like it's like uh, masochists. We are going to reward the very same people who are complicit in making our job and literally our lives threatened, and are attacking democracy for the sake of access and ratings. Uh, there's, there's this beautiful quote that I always re- bring uh, bring up because it's so pure. It's from 2015. Then CBS a CEO. Les Moonves, who, by the way, speaking of toxic masculinity, like many men had to resign Resign. after numerous, numerous allegations of, you know, sexual impropriety said the following, you know, this election is bad for America. But it's great for for CBS. Yeah,
1: great for ratings. I can't tell you, I heard that in the halls of MSNBC multiple times by multiple producers that said the same exact thing. What do we always know? What did we learn about journalism? When it bleeds, it leads, right? It Mm. doesn't matter if what is bleeding is our democracy. It doesn't matter if what is getting slapped up and down the street, right, is our freedom, Right. And a truth, government for truth. and by the people and the truth, because we never stopped the both sides ism. Had we not had both sides ism, we would have never had Donald Trump. That's right? right. But the media, the media and you tweeted this, the media is going to be responsible, is responsible for the current situation that we are in. Why people don't believe that covid actually has killed you know, a million people in the United States. Why Mm. they don't believe there's a quarter of the population in latest polls, a quarter of the population believes that Biden did not win the election. The wild. Right. So why is that? Because the media who is attached to ratings and sponsors and capitalism, right? Right. Believes that if we present both of these sides, even if one side has become the white supremacist nationalist party, and that you're we not need just present, exaggerating, you're not to exaggerating with their, that. No,
2: that's I think that's what people need to realize. You know, when Danielle and I say this, uh, I, I call it a radicalized, weaponized uh, death cult, and I also say it's a pro-white nationalist movement. People say, "Oh my that might be exaggerated." terms. now, I'm very specific and deliberate. The replacement theory is now a mainstream conspiracy theory. QAnon is now a mainstream conspiracy theory. You saw it in the Judge Jackson hearings. Uh, you know They literally believe that liberals and Democrats, whoever is and Republican, is part of an international cabal run by Jews that kidnaps and kills children. This is a national security threat that now the Republican Party has embraced because they realize that's where the base is. The the replacement theory is a white supremacist theory that says Jews are using the savage blacks and browns and Muslims to replace white people. This is a mainstream talking point on Tucker Carlson. And I said, and I'll say this again, that fascism in America will be tolerated and embraced as long as it is profitable. And I hope I'm proven wrong, but I don't think I will. I I mean, you haven't been
1: you haven't been proven wrong yet. I mean, the reality is this: that we have an entire we we supposedly right have an FCC that is supposed to regulate content. It's supposed to regulate it for profanity. It's supposed to regulate it for danger that it imposes on the public. And I have said time and time again, when Democrats are in control, why is there no investigation? There have been lawsuits against Fox News, but there hasn't been an investigation to unearth Mm. their value system, which is Mm. about dividing America because it is profitable. That they are not seen as the people that they broadcast, like Tucker Carlson, who are, in fact, as deep a threat to our democracy as Putin is, right? right, with a microphone, and so the the reality is, is that as Democrats, we continue to shrug off things that should be front page news, that should right. warrant an investigation, which brings me to the other slap, right? Give it which to me. Is, which is the Thomases, the actual couple <laughs> in the news that we should be talking about, Clarence and Ginny. And how the both of them have been bitch slapping our democracy (laughs) for the last several years and decades, if I'm talking about Clarence Thomas's reign on the Supreme Court. But folks, as it turns out, Ginny Thomas didn't just attend the insurrection, right? She funded buses for the insurrection. She also was in consistent contact on the day of the insurrection, With Donald Trump's chief of staff, Mark Mark Meadows. Meadows. And, and folks, her husband was the sole dissenter (laughs) who did not want to allow for Donald Trump's phone records to be released. And now- Shady as hell. We are not asking questions as to why. Also, and this is what I said. I said this on Woke AF, and I'll say it here, which is that- You know, spouses, right, usually share bank accounts, right? And the fact is, is that there should be also not only an investigation into what Clarence Thomas knew when he knew it, but whether or not our tax dollars went to go and fund the buses that his wife decided to donate Mm -hmm. to the insurrectionists to roll up to defecate in our Capitol building. Right. Like these are Literally. very valid, very valid things that Democrats. I watched Chuck Schumer just say, oh, it's unfortunate. And there should be a code <laughs> of ethics for Supreme Court justices and then moved oh, on man. and then. Oh, mo- man. Can you like I just want folks to pause and imagine. What Republicans would do if. The, if if Michelle Obama if 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 Sonia Sotomayor's partner had been at a BLM rally that was peaceful that had no damage caused whatsoever but was photographed with a sign.
2: Oh yeah, or or, or remember that brief meeting on the tar- tarmac between the what was the Attorney General oh. and the President? They made a news. Yeah. So it was like a five minute like uh. Uh-huh. Loretta greet.
1: Lynch. Yes. That's, yeah, yeah. It wasn't and they even five minutes.
2: Like, yeah, like a brief, like it was like two minutes. Like, what are they talking about? Impropriety, this bias. And I'm like, oh my, look at the Democrats. And you mentioned this, this bitch slap uh, to in front of our faces actively as Ginny Thomas. And I've been tweeting about her for a while because there was an article that came on the New York Times last year that showed that Donald Trump, excuse me, a year and a half ago, that Donald Trump relied upon Ginny Thomas and others for advice on how to purge his administration of those people who were not loyal soldiers. And that's when Ginny Thomas first came in the news in a public way. And I've been tweeting about her since. I'm like, why is the wife of Clarence Thomas advising the president of the United States about a purge? How is this not a conflict of interest? And then Jane Meyer of The New Yorker did a really great piece that I think people should read about that just predated this just by, I think, a month ago, where she talked about this deep right-wing extremist ties of Ginny Thomas to this White uh, Christian Nationalism, which is an active threat to America, ladies and gentlemen. And then if you read the text, I recommend you read the text. There's 29 texts. She is using batshit QAnon language. She is using white Christian nationalist language about Mm -hmm. the king of kings and fight evil and then Mark Meadows and her and going back and forth. And so what we're dealing with is not just a hard right conspiracy theorist who happens to be married to... Justice Thomas, they're, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, best friends, according to themselves. You see how he's already compromised. I'm glad Daniel brought up that fact that he was the only vote that said, no, nah, the, the the House Select Committee shouldn't have access to these papers because he knew those papers probably included- He
1: recognized one included, of the
2: numbers. Yeah, he's like, oh, this might hit cl- too close to home. But you're also seeing that people like Mark Meadows and others are part and parcel of this white Christian nationalist movement that believes the United States is a unique- land gifted by god for white christian men and women and it's their duty to purify the land of its sins and then once they purify the land and they use politics to implement god's law then there will be the kingdom of heaven this ladies and gentlemen is really dangerous theocratic stuff that we deride when it happens in iran But because it's happening in the United States of America and it's their squad, we give it a pass. And there's only been five or so, I think, Democrats who have called upon uh, Clarence Thomas, I think, to uh, either recuse himself uh, or to resign. Only five because they're so cowardly. They realize that they're going to lose the midterms and then they're going to do this against Judge Jackson or someone else. So the way that Democrats respond is... Oh, the bully is gonna beat us up if we make the bully mad. Once we have power, let's not take out the bully's knees. No, no, no. Let's try to give the bully a cookie. And the the bully instead eats the cookie, says thank you, and slaps the Democrats to the ground. That's Let me tell you are.
1: something. You you and and here's the thing is that you can't dominate from your knees, right? And that is where <laughs> and that is where Democrats is activation point is, is from their knees. <laughs> Right. Like you, I mean, begging as they're in power. Don't, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. Don't, don't, don't see me. Don't, don't do anything. And then they'll turn around and be like, well, we didn't do that to you. Well, I don't know how many times, how many times Republicans have told you we are not your friend. Not only are we not your friend, (laughs) we, we wanted to build a guillotine to hang our own vice president of the United States. That's how little we thought about his ass. So what do you think that we think about y'all? We we were ready to kill
2: his ass. We were ready to kill Mike Pence, the whitest, most Christian man on earth, who was the vice president of Donald Trump, who sold his soul because he thought he'd become president. We were ready to kill him. Right. What do you think we're going to do but to you? But you
1: think that you all are going to be you all are going to be safe. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing is that I don't know, Wash, how many laws need to be outwardly broken. I don't know how many things need to happen and pile up in order to wake Merrick Garland up Mm. from his coma that he seems to have been in since he was sworn in. So I want to transition now into the most important 457 minutes. Yeah, for the final, final slap. Where was Donald Trump for over seven hours? During the insurrection Hmm. where the White House logs seem to be empty of phone calls. Hmm. But over the 500 people that sat for interviews with the House with the House investigation into one six, that all of them said that they spoke to Donald Trump at one time or another. But there is no (laughs) record of said conversations and that Donald Trump himself said. I don't know what a burner phone is. I, I I've never seen a burner, phone, a burner phone, which in fact means that he has a drawer full of burner fucking phones.
2: <laughs> Senator Lee, Kevin McCarthy, Jim Jordan—these are all just the people that we know talk to him. And and Charlie, re- yeah, Mitch
1: McConnell, Mitch
2: McConnell, and and Jenny Thomas, maybe who you don't know. Uh, it's seven hours. Uh, Coincidentally, on the day of the violent insurrection that killed five people, including a cop, where the intention was to overturn a free and fair election. And we know that was the intention because we have the six point memo by John Eastman. We have the war room that was set up in the Willard Hotel to effectuate the coup attempt. We have phone calls and texts. There was a slideshow that they were passing around and you got Donald Trump basically admitting it. And you had the people actually come to the Capitol, overtake the Capitol, defecate on the Capitol and try to hunt down Mike Pence. And Nancy Pelosi And now they're saying We're going to basically do our coup We're going to reject the electors And put on our own slate of electors And they're promoting the big lie Yes, all of that Seven and a half hours worth of transcripts On that day, conveniently missing And we also know I always want to remind people this Because I just find it to be so hilarious That people in the Trump administration have said They they caught Donald Trump eating papers In the Oval Office, which is a totally normal thing to do, Danielle. Just eating papers, confidential documents, shredding stuff, having burner phones, and now, and now, seven and a half hour missing gap in the telephone logs. What? This is just you and me riffing. If this is just you and me riffing, and by the way, I'll add one more the friggin' audio recording of Donald Trump telling. Uh, Brad Raffensperger, the Georgia Secretary of State- To find, to find me, me the
1: 11,750 11, some odd votes. That's all I need. Find and me we'll the votes. we'll take care of the rest. How do you- We'll kn- take care <laughs> of the rest.
2: How do we know that? Because we heard the mother effing audio recording. That is evidence itself. So to, I was talking to uh, Congressman Adam Schiff. I interviewed him at South by Southwest. And he brought this up and he said, that is the most glaring piece of evidence that shows corrupt intent on Donald Trump's part. He said to me, I do not understand why the Justice Department is not leading criminal investigations. So the biggest slap to the face is Merrick Garland's slap to the rest of us who came out to vote for Biden, because look, the judge... Who uh, There was a judge this week uh, in California, Daniel, the federal judge, who said uh, it looks like Donald Trump and John Eastman were committing a crime. A judge said committing that. Committing crimes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There was the evidence that you and I just mentioned, the, the telephone log. Uh, yet a judge or the House Select Committee cannot start a criminal proceeding. You and I cannot, Daniel. It belongs to the nope. Justice Department. So the biggest yep. slap in the face is Merrick Garland's slap to the rest of us, it seems.
0: and candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now, wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter.
0: Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
1: I mean, I, you know, I, we are in such a pickle A jam, Mm. a shit show, um, a a, a tempest. I I don't know how things can get worse. And I never like to tempt fate in Mm. this way, given what we have seen. But my God, I don't understand if Merrick Garland is inept or corrupt. But there is something, something rotten in the state of Denmark right now, as it pertains to the Department of Justice. There is something that just does not add up or smell right. And what I say, and I will say it until the day I lose breath, follow the money, Mm. because none of this with this mountain at Mount Everest of evidence against Donald Trump, against John Eastman, against every single architect of this insurrection. And that's just the insurrection. Donald Trump, to me, is also responsible for all of the COVID deaths that happened before we were able to get Biden in office and before we got a vaccine right. because he told us for months and months and months it was a hoax.
2: And he lied. And
1: people believed him. And
2: he lied at, even though he knew the damage. And we know he lied because Bob Woodward released the audio recordings where Donald Trump was aware of how contagious and deadly it was. But he deliberately used and abused his president presidency to downplay it to so he can win elections, which I agree with you, which makes him culpable for so many unnecessary deaths that should also be investigated
1: I mean over four hundred thousand by the time that Joe Biden put his hand on that Bible hmm. it was over four hundred thousand American lives had been lost, and I just you know i I, I just I, I will I will end my thoughts with this, which is that When you see the kind of unrelenting abuse that Republicans have just spread across this country, they have abused the Constitution, they have abused the rule of law, they have slapped justice in the face over and over again, right? And then there is no accountability. Yeah. There is no call for accountability. Why would Ginny Thomas think that she couldn't do what she was doing? Right? Why they don't even care about perception. Yeah. Because what have Democrats done? We did a whole show on messaging. Mm. They give you gifts every single day. Even now. And Democrats are and Democrats are like, mm there should be some type of ethics. I don't know who will put it in place, but maybe one day there'll be some type of ethics.
2: Did you know that this policy, you're breaking this policy, Section A, B, and Mitch McConnell's like, here's a bazooka, I'm going to kill you. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's, 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 it's about power and, and, and flexing power and realizing that those who have power and connections to power fail up. That's a recurring theme of today's conversation. Donald Trump. Look, the, the prosecutor uh, 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 resigned last week because he said uh, the DA is not bringing charges, even though this we're talking about New York now. Why do you resign? He says, We know that Donald Trump committed crimes. We have proof of it. And for whatever reason, uh, the DA Bragg is not bringing uh, charges. Ellie yep. Mistel, who's been our guest, and there are others, uh, assume that because he's the president and the crimes go all the way to the president, the Justice Department doesn't want to get their hands too dirty like Robert Mueller. They want to be institutionalist. They want Congress or someone else to do it. And I'm like, no, it's up to you. So these are institutionalists Oftentimes wealthy, older white men and women who are all part of the same club, it's a great big club and you and me ain't in it, who are going to help each other out. And because this does not immediately affect them, their safety, their security, and their communities, they can believe this delusional hope that, oh, the system will take care of itself. Meanwhile, the rest of us who have had to try to survive and endure Trumpism and everything else realize the fractures and the fissures in the system that has often failed us, which is why I think you and I, Danielle and others, especially those who listen to the show, have a more clear and accurate understanding of this country, its hopes, its dreams, its demons, its faults and where it is going. The problem is because we keep it honest and real and threaten those people in power, you and I don't have TV contracts, but Mick Mulvaney does.
1: Oh, dear friends. Thank you for listening to Democracy-ish. I am Danielle Moody. I'm Wajahat Lee, And we'll be back unless somebody slaps the shit out of us before (laughs) then next week.